This is the Yonkazine Brief with Peter Hoffman and Sonia Portillo. This week in the Yonkazine Brief, we're bringing you an interview with Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe is an international leader in the development of immune-based therapies for pancreatic and breast cancers. She is the Deputy Director of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Centre at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, Associate Director of the Bloomberg Kimmel Institute for Cancer Immunotherapy at Johns Hopkins, Associate Director for Translational Research, Co-Director of Gastrointestinal Cancer and Disease Program, and Co-Director of the Skip Virak Centre for Pancreas Cancer Clinical Research and Patient Care, and a member of the Faculty Graduate Program in Immunology, Cellular and Molecular Medicine and Pharmacology at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Dr. Jaffe is also the 2018-2019 President of the AACR, the American Association for Cancer Research, which is the world's oldest and largest professional association related to cancer research. Based in Philadelphia, the AACR, which has more than 37,000 members in 108 countries, focuses on all aspects of cancer research, including basic, clinical, and translational research into the cause, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer. Dr. Jaffe is the leader of the Stand Up to Cancer Lustgarten Foundation Dream Team, transforming pancreatic cancer to a treatable disease. The AACR is the scientific partner of Stand Up to Cancer. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonja Portillo, and this is the Onkisin Brief. During the 2018 annual meeting of the American Association for Cancer Research, AACR, held April 14th through 18th, 2018, in Chicago, Illinois, we had the opportunity to ask Dr. Jaffe a few questions about her work, her expectations, and her plans as the current president of the AACR. This interview was originally recorded on April 18th, 2018. Let's listen. Dr. Jaffe, uh, welcome uh, to the Oncogene Brief. Um, as a uh, medical oncologist at uh, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, uh, you're involved in uh, a lot of medical research, uh, focusing ob- obviously on cancer. Some of the things that you do um, has to do with the evaluation of the mechanism of the immune tolerance to cancers um, related to breast cancer and pancreatic cancer. Um, you're involved in the identification of human tumor antigens, uh, recognizing T-cells. Um, and then you uh, are working on, on a study uh, involving the analysis of anti-tumor immune response in patients enrolled in vaccine studies. Now, let's start with that last part. Um, when people hear vaccine, they often think uh, maybe the flu shot. Uh, they may think about other kinds of vaccines to avoid a disease. Uh, when we um, look in cancer, we may use the same term vaccine, uh, but it may mean something else. That's correct. Um, vaccines in the context of cancer are really therapeutic. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to wake up the immune system to see the proteins in cancer that are different from normal cells so that the immune system will be alerted, and in particular the T cells, sometimes the B cells, to be able to uh, infiltrate the cancer and hopefully kill the cancer. Now, what the vaccine does is it basically overcomes tolerance, uh, which you just mentioned. And so why is that important? 
Well, an infection, infection, um, the immune system is naturally um, developed to recognize infection. Infection looks like an acute insult, right? A new protein is made or proteins are made, and the immune system immediately reacts to that. The problem with cancer is that it's insidious. Cancers develop over years to decades, and as they're developing, they undergo small changes instead of rapid acute changes. And so the immune system never really sees, or they may see the, the developing cancer initially, but the cancer is able to put up signals that inhibit the immune system from recognizing the cancer. What the vaccine does is it takes those proteins within a cancer and it provides it to the immune system in a way that it rewakes it, reawakens it right. to see the proteins in the cancer. So yes, this is more therapeutic once the cancer is developed because we don't know what the proteins are until mm-hmm. the cancer develops. Right. Now, um, other kind of uh, studies you're involved in, uh, tell me a little bit about some of the other research. Right. So what we're realizing um, is that uh, vaccines are important as a first step to wake up the immune system to or alert it to the fact that there is this cancer that's growing and making new proteins. However, what now with all the technologies that we have over the past decade, we're able to get a biopsy of a tumor from a patient, and we're able to interrogate that biopsy and look at many different signals. So what are the signals that are actually causing tolerance? What are the stromal signals? You know, cancers are not just cancer cells. Cancers or tumors uh, are composed of cancer cells. They're composed of stromal cells. That's, those are the cells that support the cancer's growth and development. They're composed of inflammatory cells. My research is geared toward evaluating different types of um, cells within the developing cancers. And they may be different between a primary cancer and the metastasis. They may also be different between um, patients with the same type of cancer. So we're trying to get a better handle on what are the different cells and what kind of signals do they provide that we can then target with therapeutic interventions. Right. Now, we here at uh, the last day, actually, of uh, the uh, annual meeting of the American Association uh, for Cancer Research, um, and you are now the the president of the organization, um, in an earlier interview uh, with the past president, uh, Dr. Caligiuri, we spoke about initiatives that he started in the past year as the president of the AACR, uh, including trying to solve uh, the problems involving, for example, cancer health disparities, um, when and people might not be able to get access to uh, very important life-saving uh, treatments. Um, in um, uh, as now as the president of the organization, uh, what are your plans for the next 12 months? What are some of the problems that you see and some of the initiatives you think, well, we absolutely need to pay attention to this? Right. Uh, wonderful question. Um, one of the reasons I'm honored and excited about being AACR president is that the AACR organization gives you the opportunity to uh, concentrate on areas of priority and to help the organization grow in that area even more. Now, ACR, you know, it's a huge organization with an amazing um, membership, so there's lots going on already. Um, I'm very excited about trying to help Dr. Caligiuri continue his efforts. I think those are very important. 
What I would like to do in addition is uh, focus on formalizing programs in convergence science. And so let me explain what convergence science means today. You know, cancer is a problem that really requires many different experts to think about. And the technologies are developing so rapidly, the amount of data that we're generating is just out of control. So we need to bring in engineers, mathematicians, computational biologists, people who normally wouldn't be thinking about the cancer problem. We have to excite them and have them start to think about the cancer problem. Now, the ACR does have um, this fall uh, con- the first convergence special um, uh, um, conference, and it's actually what's interesting is they're, they're highlighting convergence for the 30th anniversary of their special conferences. So that's a start. I want to expand this with additional workshops. I want to get a think tank of experts. I want to develop ways to bring young people who are just starting out in their career to learn about cancer biology, who has the expertise in these other areas, and get them excited about coming into the ACR organization and thinking about cancer problems. So that's one area. Okay, let's take a short break here, and then we talk some more. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe is an international leader in the development of immune-based therapies for pancreatic and breast cancers. She is the deputy director of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. She is also the 2018-2019 president of the AACR, the American Association for Cancer Research, which is the world's oldest and largest professional association related to cancer research. And welcome back. This is the Onkis in Brief. And if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe is an international leader in the development of immune-based therapies for pancreatic and breast cancers. She is the deputy director of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Centers at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. She is also the 2018-2019 president of the AACR, the American Association for Cancer Research, which is the world's oldest and largest professional association related to cancer research. Now, as the president of the organization, uh, what are your plans for the next 12 months? Survivorship and and implementation science. I think the two of them, in a way, um, are very important at this time in our history of cancer research, and we need to put a lot of effort into this. There's already some effort, but this has to come um, into the spotlight more. This has to be upfront in our priorities. And the reason is that with all this development of new therapies for cancer treatment, these are real therapies that are turning deadly cancers into chronic diseases. Okay, we may not be curing patients at the rate we want to yet, but we're, we're turning cancers into diseases people can live with for years. Well, we have to, one, be able to, from the beginning, figure out what are going to be the long-term consequences of our therapies and make sure we min- minimize the bad side effects and also the subsequent issues that can come up, that can arise, 
in order so that these patients can live normal lives, can live good quality lives. So survivorship research is an area because we need to identify what are what are the issues now and what can we um, intervene to make things better. The other is implementation science, and this goes along with what Dr. Caligiuri is doing. So he's interested in better understanding uh, the cancer problem in minorities, which is very important. We haven't concentrated on that. But we also have another issue, getting our therapies that are working out to people who are not able to access the healthcare system. So we need research to understand what are the reasons they can't access and how do we intervene to make sure all patients can access the good therapies that we're developing. Now, when you look at the patient initiatives that you're looking at, um, how important is patient advocacy in that combination? Patient advocacy is very important, and um, they they have to be guiding us as we develop the programs, because they've been thinking about this for a long time, both of those aspects. And so I'm looking to our patient advocates, our survivors, our, the, the people who are the caregivers of survivors. We need everybody at the table. We're all equal partners in this, and they they're going to bring the best suggestions to the table. Now... When you look at research, when you look at patient advocacy, when you look at uh, the initiatives that you are uh, uh, hope to implement in the next uh, 12 months, um, one of the th- things that come to mind is funding. And um, over the last years, uh, we've heard uh, things like Moonshot, uh, about the Biden initiative. We've heard um, other kind of initiatives uh, uh, coming to the fore. Um, we've seen a fantastic presentation of... Um, stand up to cancer earlier uh, in the week uh, during uh, the annual meeting. Um, There are so many things involved in trying to get funds. Where are we in terms of of making sure, uh, from your perspective, um, that there is enough money to continue doing uh, life-saving research? Right. I think this is a critical question because we're at a historic time in progress. And, but we're, we're just at the beginning of the great progress we can make. And what was wonderful about Vice President Biden, you know, coming to uh, be our champion at this time is that he recognized the fact that there's so much science. The past 30 to 40 years of scientific progress is now ripe and ready to translate that into real treatments for patients. And if you look at immunotherapy as one example, since 2011, which is only seven years ago, we've had over 30 new indications that are turning deadly cancers into chronic diseases. I mean, this is just overwhelming. We're so excited, but we have so much more to do because immunotherapy is just helping maybe 20% of patients out there, and they're not cures. So we have a lot more to do. So the moonshot was terrific. The moonshot infused a significant amount of money. On top of that, the bipartisan Congress, for the first time in since since the uh, Clinton administration has gave, given us over the past two years an increase to the overall NIH budget that is beyond just cost of living. However, we have to put this in perspective. Even with these increases, only a small percentage of new programs can be implemented. Okay, because you know, any time there's money coming to the government, governmental programs. They're not giving money for just a year. It's five to seven years down the road. You can't complete something in a year. 
So already money that's been distributed can't be pulled back into other programs very easily. So we need to continue to increase the funding to the NIH. The other issue for the moonshot is that the first three years of the moonshot, we're at a pretty good level of increase, but then it starts to come down. And so anything we started, we're not going to be able to continue to fund at the level we were funding for the first three years. So it's important that people know that we, we haven't reached where we need to be yet. And we're really thankful to the Bipartisan Congress for supporting biomedical research and cancer research in particular, but we need to continue to push for more funding. Well, that's definitely one of the key things to to remember, that uh, money is always in the a big issue, and, and but fortunately there are good initiatives right now, but it needs to continue going. Absolutely. That's exactly the point I want to make. Yeah. Now, here at the American Association for Cancer Research, uh, walking around in, uh, um, in the poster hall, uh, listening to some of the oral presentations, um, it, it's, it's very exciting to hear about uh, immuno-oncology. Immune oncology definitely, uh, um, which you mentioned earlier, is definitely creating a major step forward in, in the treatment of cancer. Um, but there are also other kind of, of treatments and, and treatment opportunities and, and initiatives in, 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 in research. Um, from your perspective, if you, look, if you look at all the things, and you're an immuno, immuno, immunologist, right? Yes. Um, aren't we not looking in one direction too often and, and not paying attention to other areas of interest? You know, I, I think that's a really important question. And I am an immunotherapist and, and an immunologist. However, you know, I'm, I also am interested in all the other ways in which we can target cancers and hopefully uh, have good treatments for them. So I'd rather put immunotherapy in the context of precision oncology. So I think precision oncology is really where we need to be, and immunotherapy is one component of that. Um, we no longer want to just give generalized therapies. We want to make sure that it's precisely targeting a patient's cancer. Sometimes uh, that's going to be a group of patients who share the same genetic uh, um, causes of that cancer. And other times it's going to be more complex where it's the genetics and it's the inflammation uh, within the cancer. So we have multiple different signals that we have to be thinking about. Immunotherapy has probably helped 20% of patients overall with cancer, but we have a lot more to go. And I think it's going to be combining the different types of therapy. And again, they're under the heading of precision oncology or targeted therapy. Um, what I foresee in the next 10 years is that we're going to be biopsying a patient, determining the genetics, determining the immune response to it, determining the stromal signals, and coming up with patient-specific types of therapy based on all different available drugs that we have, targeted therapies, immunotherapies, and other therapies. Our guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe is an international leader in the development of immune-based therapies for pancreatic and breast cancers. She is the deputy director of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. She is also the 2018-2019 president of the AACR, the American Association for Cancer Research, which is the world's oldest and largest professional association related to cancer research. We will be right back 
I'm Peter Hoffland, here with Sonia Portillo, and this is The Youngest in Brief. And welcome back. This is the Onkis in Brief. I'm Peter Hoffland, here with Sonia Portillo, and we're back with Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe is an international leader in the development of immune-based therapies for pancreatic and breast cancers. She is the deputy director of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. She is also the 2018-2019 president of the AACR, the American Association for Cancer Research, which is the world's oldest and largest professional association related to cancer research. Now, if you look at, um, for example, CAR-T, um, developed um, over the last uh, couple of years, that is really catering very specifically to um, the individual patient. Um, the interesting thing is when in interviews in the past, when we when we talk about personalized medicine, targeted therapies, individualizing of medicine, um, it seemed that, that the many people you ask about this, you get as many different answers. Um, so can, can you help me understand, first of all, why is it that everybody ha- may have a different kind of explanation? But the second thing, what, from your perspective, what, 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 what is personalized medicine or uh, individualized medicine or targeted therapies, or are they all different? Right. So I, I prefer the term precision medicine because you don't necessarily have to um, make a particular drug or in this case, CAR T-cells is a particular drug for a particular patient. CAR T-cells right now, you have to take the patient's own immune cells and then genetically modify them and then give them back. What I prefer uh, to think about, that that's one component of precision medicine, but much of precision medicine is taking a biopsy from a patient, looking at the genetics, as I mentioned, looking at the inflammation, and then taking drugs that are off the shelf that can target those genetics, genetic changes, that can target those inflammatory changes like PD-L1. Um, when it's expressed, you give an anti-PD-1 or an anti-PD-1 antibody. So, so I think those are the differences. Can you um, group patients into subpopulations that share similar genetics and inflammatory signals, or do you have to actually give patients drugs that are only made for them? I think it's going to be very hard to treat patients on an individual basis, but on a group, a small group basis based on their genetics and inflammatory signals and stromal signals, that is something that is going to be feasible. Right. In looking at those, um, those options, um, again, a lot of was uh, presented here um, at uh, the AACR annual meeting. Um, from when, when you walk around here, um, what, is, what is the most exciting thing for you to, to look at? Well, uh, you know, having spent, you know, the full time here, I would say that the most exciting thing for me is seeing the young scientists who are so excited about everything that they're hearing, who are so excited to explain their posters to you, who came to talk to me about what's next? You know, what's next in science? What should I be thinking about? To me, that is the best part because to to know that we have the next set of bright young individuals who are getting excited about what's going on, the progress, wanting to be involved, I, I love that. But that uh, coincides with what you do. We also teach. 
Yes, it does coincide. And I love to teach. I love to mentor. I mentor all all levels of individuals. My laboratory, I, I run a laboratory, and every summer I have four to six high schoolers who come for the summer, who come year after year. I have undergrads. I have uh, pre-doctoral and post-doctoral um, trainees. And, you know, I was uh, at my party yesterday. There were people who I trained over the past 20 to 30 years who came to my party yesterday who are still in cancer research. Some of them are experts in their own right. I mean, to me, that is just the most enjoyable part of what I do. I totally can imagine that part. And it's really exciting to see that. Um, now, one of the things that you're involved in in, in, your, in your research um, is um, cl- uh, clinical trials. Um, very exciting to see, uh, and, and, and clinical trials are obviously very important to come to the next phase of medicine. Um, when you look at, at clinical trials, um, and, and, and there is only like 4 to 6% participation of uh, patients that may qualify or m- for a clinical trial, uh, while there, there's a potential for many more. Is that worrisome to you? It's very worrisome. It's worrisome from multiple levels, but I'll, I'll focus on two. The first is that now our clinical trials, <laughs> we're, we're taking drugs at the earliest phase, and they're showing clinical responses. So it's important for patients with deadly cancers to get on these trials because they may respond. In the old days, it's like, well, the chance of you responding is under 1%, if, if that. Now it's it's a good percentage, you know, of patients who are responding in the earliest clinical trials. The second reason is that the data shows that patients who go on clinical trials do better in general because they have more interactions with the healthcare system. They interact with nurses and social workers and all the people they need to help support them. So I, I really want to get that word out there. It's much better for patients to be on clinical trials today than even it was 30 years ago. And it should not be, a patient should not be afraid of the fact that, well, I may be treated or may get a sugar pill, a placebo. It's, it's really treatments that they get. Exactly. Currently, you know, we realize, you know, we have to give patients the best treatments. So it's, it's getting harder and harder to do that placebo study. And I, I could tell you that they, a lot of these drugs now, they're moving pretty quickly because they're showing clinical responses in the earliest phase of the studies. And so it's very hard to say, oh, I'm going to randomize you to something that's not going to work. We just can't do that anymore. Right. Our guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe is an international leader in the development of immune-based therapies for pancreatic and breast cancers. She is the deputy director of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. She is also the 2018-2019 president of the AACR, the American Association for Cancer Research, which is the world's oldest and largest professional association related to cancer research. This is The Younger in Brief. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonia Portillo, and we're back with Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe. We're talking with Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe about her tenure this year as president of the American Association for Cancer Research, AACR, about her plans and about her vision for cancer research leading to novel treatments. Um, 
for the next 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, when you look at the AACR, um, the organization you're the president of right now, um, and for cancer research in general, um, what are your expectations, your hopes, um, when we talk in the future? So my hopes for the future is, is to continue to be able to understand the biology of the cancers we still don't understand. Because it's, we need to understand that biology in order to be able to develop new therapies. And I want, I want to be able to continue to engage young people because they, they bring new ideas. They think about problems from a different way. And I want to be able to continue to bring in these experts or young people who are developing expertise in other areas to really be able to help us problem solve. Because it's with, this, with, this, with the younger generation, we're going to be able to really get at these bad cancers. So, And I, I think we're going to see this. I think the next 10 to 15 years, the excitement around cancer research is just growing. And the ACR is at the center of that. And they're going to maintain that momentum. And by maintaining that momentum, we're going to attract the best and the brightest. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. In our interview today, we spoke with Dr. Elizabeth Jaffe, the current 2018 president of the American Association for Cancer Research, AACR. Dr. Jaffe's research is focused on the development of novel vaccine approaches that overcome immune tolerance to cancers. She currently holds six vaccine patents. Dr. Jaffe has completed multiple studies testing an allogenic tumor vaccine in patients with pancreatic cancer who were eligible for complete surgical resection of their tumors, but whose cancers are still expected to recur at rates as high as 80% one year following surgery. Dr. Jaffe's first study demonstrated the safety of the vaccine and identified a dose that appears to demonstrate immune activation associated with improved disease-free survival in this patient population. These trials have also allowed Dr. Jaffe to develop both genomic and proteomic methods for identifying new pathways and biomarkers associated with the development and progression of pancreatic cancers. As an example, Dr. Jaffe recently identified the protein Annexin A2 that appears to be overexpressed in pancreatic cancers. Her group has shown that this protein changes location in the pancreatic cancer cell when compared with normal pancreatic tissue cells. This change in location gives the cancer cell the ability to spread from the pancreas to the liver and other organs. In animal models, Dr. Jaffe has shown that the inhibition of this new protein's expression results in the prevention of pancreatic cancer spread. She is currently developing a therapy that targets this protein and plans on testing this in patients in the future. In our interview, Dr. Jaffe mentioned the importance of clinical trials and patient participation in these trials as being a key step towards progress in oncology. In fact, while there are over 2,000 immunotherapy drugs on the market, only about 5% of cancer patients will participate in a trial. This goes beyond the willingness of patients to participate, but has to do a lot with the fact that most patients have to travel to the nation's major clinical research hospitals in order to participate. Because of this, it's not only important to make sure that patients understand the difference between medical treatment and clinical research, but it is also crucial to improve accessibility to clinical trials, as there is such a limited access to novel cancer therapies. Additionally, Many patients may not realize that when they participate in a clinical trial, they will get the same level of care that they would receive with cancer treatments outside of a clinical trial. And for many patients, clinical trials can help their disease in ways that traditional therapies have failed to do.
The mission of the American Association for Cancer Research, of which Dr. Jaffe is the current 2018 president, is to prevent and cure cancer through research, education, communication, and collaboration. The AACR was founded in 1907 by a group of 11 physicians and scientists. These physicians and scientists were interested in research designed to further the investigation and spread the knowledge of cancer. Today, the organization fosters research in cancer and related biomedical science through its programs and services and accelerates the distribution of new research findings among scientists and others dedicated to the conquest of cancer. The AACR also promotes science education and training and advances the understanding of cancer cause, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment throughout the world. For more information about the AACR, please visit the organization's website at aacr.org. For us here at the Oncozine Brief, we want to thank you, our listeners and underwriters, for your ongoing support. Thanks to your support, our program now has a wider reach with distribution via iHeartRadio in addition to PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and UK Health Radio. You can also download our program via iTunes and Google+. In Arizona, our program can also be heard every Saturday between 1 and 2 p.m. on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX, one of the top 10 radio stations in Arizona, reaching almost 5 million people throughout the state. For more information about that and how to support this program, check our online journal, Oncazine, at Oncazine.com or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theoncazinebrief. We know that based on this interview, you may have questions. So please submit your questions to our editorial team via email, Facebook, or Twitter. We'll post as many answers as we can on our website, Oncozine, that is O-N-C-O-Z-I-N-E dot com. If you're living in the United States and want to receive our weekly Oncozine newsletter, text the word CANCER, that is C-A-N-C-E-R, CANCER, to 66866, and we'll make sure that you'll receive our weekly edition of the Oncozine newsletter. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. And join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonia Portillo, and this is the Youngest in Brief. The Oncozine Brief is produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hofflin, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by InPress Media Group. Support for the Oncozine Brief comes from listeners of this station and our commercial underwriters and advertisers. For more information about underwriting and sponsoring options, contact Sean Mayer in California at 949-923-1660 or visit our website at oncozine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncozine Brief contains health and medicine-related information and is provided for educational and entertainment purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it. The Oncocene Brief is in part made possible by generous support from Kite Rocket. Kite Rocket, making brands more valuable. For more information about public relation beyond classic PR support, contact Martin Pirick at Kite Rocket in Phoenix at 602-443-0030 or visit their website at kiterocket.com.